The Competitive Contractor Podcast is brought to you by Shivendra & Co. Visit www.shivendra.com to find out how you can work with us to grow your business, be more profitable, and become a competitive contractor. Hi everyone, it's Shivendra Kumar here, welcoming you to the Competitive Contractor Podcast, a podcast especially for contractors helping build Australia's infrastructure. Before we proceed further, I wanted to let everyone know that this podcast was recorded online and you may notice the audio quality is low at times. With that, let's get right into the podcast now. In a recent conversation, a contractor mentioned how difficult decision-making in current times is. With business going slow and projects in the horizon delayed, the decision to continue investing, continue employing staff, and looking for additional work is immensely challenging. And add to that, the conversations around a second wave of the pandemic, or if for any unforeseen reason, infrastructure projects where so much is invested right now doesn't eventuate in a timely manner. It even raises the question whether further cutbacks are needed now to safeguard the future. Driving on an unknown road in fog is probably how best we can describe what our contractors are currently doing. The questions that popped in my head were around how do we make decisions in crisis, but also how do we negotiate with the future, negotiate with clients, employees, and other stakeholders? Tough, but important questions. Hence, I decided to invite Robin Miles, the founding partner of Inspire Me Consulting, to discuss this topic with me. Robin assists companies, organizations, and individuals to discover the power of inner leadership and the potential of United Teams. In researching about Inspire Me Consulting, I found that Inspire Me empowers people with insight, understanding, and a grounded plan to take conscious responsibility for their lives and push limits to achieve excellence. So welcome, Robin, and thanks for agreeing to provide us with insights on decision-making in challenging times. Thank you so much. It's great to be here and yeah, great opportunity to go through a few things in this uh, podcast that you're doing. Great to have you here, Robin. Could you share with us on how Inspire Me Consulting came about? Yeah, sure. Initially, I grew up in London and in actual fact, I started my career by doing aid work in Africa. And it was there that I saw I could give more back to society by studying civil engineering of all things. And so I studied civil engineering and worked on major infrastructure projects, movement for innovation projects, which were about doing things differently and more collaboratively. And I was actually recruited by the Victorian government to come to Australia to drive a more collaborative way of delivering infrastructure projects to get better outcomes for all stakeholders and uh, was doing that. So I've worked for contractors, I've worked for client organizations, consultants, and why Inspire Me really came about was I was implementing all the tools and strategies and techniques that I now training. I was implementing them and actually getting the results and award-winning projects and, and everything else like that. But in actual fact, what happened was that I had two young children and uh, they had disabilities and I needed to create a work life around my home life much more. And I thought, well, what's the one thing that I really do? And this is what I do, which is um, helping people to be better versions of themselves and actually collaborate um, better together to achieve better outcomes. That's how Inspire Me came about. And I've been doing this work now for about eight years. 
from London to South Africa and then Australia. With experience working for clients, consultants, and contractors, I feel you've seen in the industry from all possible angles, including from a very personal perspective through your family. And I bet it involved many decisions, including setting up Inspire Me Consulting. Robin, I run a network that consists of contractors working in the infrastructure construction sector. Amongst the many challenges they are facing now is their certainty around decision-making. And as I discuss topics and help them arrive at decisions, I feel there is more to this than a process, something that comes more from within, something that envelops our decision-making ability. And it is that in conjunction with a process or a method that gives us certainty in decisions. Robin, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things and, and the theory that I use is the Harvard Negotiation Project Theory on collaboration, negotiation, positive influence, conscious decision-making, strategic thinking, et cetera. And this, the, the research and everything that we see comes back to, you can have the tools, the tactics, the theories, the hacks as such, but the key thing is that most things come down to a human interaction between a number of people. And what happens is that how you present comes back to the mindset that you have. So what we absolutely need to do is get a grip of ourselves and what's going on in our own minds and our own mindset. And also what fears do we have and what confidence issues might we have or whatever the case may be, because our minds are just running um, so many programs that we can't even kind of keep, keep up with it sometimes. So the key thing is about actually can stop in and actually considering for yourself what's actually going on for you and what is your mindset and is that mindset actually helpful right now or is it coming out in an unhelpful way and so we need to get a grip of the mindset because what we say is you go from mindset to the way you think the way you behave the way you act and then that creates the results that you get and if you're not happy with the results you need to come back up that chain of thinking and right at the very end is your mindset and what's going on for yourself. Right. How does pressure from external challenges change the mindset? Or is it something that's beyond what's happening externally? So, the, you know, and particularly kind of quite now with um, some of these challenges, it's absolutely mm-hmm. about what's going on. So there's absolutely external challenges that impact our kind of mindset and those things. And the thing is that the external, what we need to think about is there's things that you can control. There's things that you can't control and we need to realize that. And I think our minds get caught up in trying to control things that we can't. So we need to let go of some things. So we need to focus on the things that we can control. We need to focus on the things that we can influence. And then there's some things that we can't control. We can't influence and we just need to accept. And so I think with the external factors, it absolutely has an impact on what you're thinking and your mindset and those types of things, but use that simple tool to go like, what can I control and what can I not? Normally it's impacting your mindset because you're worrying and stressing about things that are actually outside of your control anyway. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, absolutely. But it's a matter of um, being aware of that because most people are so busy right now running around dealing with things that they're not realizing that these things are impacting them. And it's better to consciously do that rather than, you know, them to be unconsciously, you know, fears and 
challenges running your life as opposed to you running your life, but you've got fears and challenges, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. I think it makes a big difference to sometimes pause and look at what's happening around and then being able to do the analysis to say, okay, yeah, I'm in control of this. I'm not in control of this and, uh, and being able to plan your life accordingly. Robin, mm. earlier you mentioned the Harvard negotiation project theory on collaboration and negotiation. I know it's an exhaustive mm. model, but are you able to share what it is and how a framework such as that helps with decision making? Yeah, absolutely. So you can research this and there's a book, the Harvard Business Review Guide on Negotiation. So what happened back in the late 70s, early 80s, they did analysis of the, the highest profile negotiations from around the world in government, in private sector, etc. What they identified was that in a negotiation, in these critical decisions that need to be made, there were seven elements that were at play. And so if you think about that, then for us to be robust about our decision making or our collaboration or our negotiation, it's critical to consider those seven elements. And in the research they did, they kind of saw that some of the problems were that in negotiations or decisions that didn't end up being good, one of the elements wasn't considered. And that's the key thing. So the seven elements give you a robust kind of tick list of the things to consider. And I can go through briefly each of those seven. So the first two elements are relationship and communication. So in any decision that you kind of make, any negotiation, any influence, any kind of collaboration, there's always other people. So, you know, what is the relationship? Where is that at? Where do you want the relationship to be? How important is the relationship? Is it transactional? Is it strategic? Is it um, who has authority, et cetera? Communication. How have you been communicating with each other? Has there been a lack of communication? Have you been clear with your expectations in the communication? Do you understand? And have you opened up good dialogue with them? And so these first two elements are really, really key because sometimes people say, well, I've never met this person. There is no relationship. And I say, well, no, there is because you're a contractor dealing with a consultant. So there's a general relationship dynamic there between the two of you. Um, and the fact that you haven't spoken is important to consider in the communication element as well. And so these elements are always at play. And what I say is with the relationship and the communication element, however good those two elements are, it kind of like pours oil to loosen up all the other elements that are absolutely critical in making the decision and working with other people. And the next element to focus on in, in a negotiation, in a critical decision is not what are the options that I've got to choose from? Because a lot of people kind of go, well, I've got two choices. I either do that choice or I either do that choice. But in actual fact, there's, there's infinite choices. And what we need to consider is what are my fundamental interests? So that's the third element, interests. Yeah. What do I mean by interests? Interests are what are my interests, wants, needs, desires? What's the things that are important to me? What's the things that are important and critical to other people? Let's go back to basics to understand the interest behind things to then move on to the next element, which is option, which is what are all the options that we could do to meet our interests? And then from there, the next element is legitimacy. What we say is we say dig for interests, explore options. Legitimacy then is like the evaluation criteria. It's the codes of practice, standard, the fairness, the contract, and um, all those legitimacy, what legitimizes the options to make them fair or reasonable? 
And so what we say is be easy on the person, hard on the problem. So if it's just you making the decision, be easy on yourself, hard on the problem. If you're negotiating or making decisions with other people, be easy on the people, but hard on the problem. Be really hard on the interest options and legitimacy. And then out of that, you'll come with whatever the best kind of option is. And then the sixth element is commit. So what do you commit to? A lot of times people have discussions and they agree upon something, but what I thought we agreed to versus what you thought we agreed to is slightly different. The devil's in the detail. So with commitments, be absolutely sure that you're aligning on the assumptions and the expectations of what's committed to. But ultimately, you should never say yes to anything unless you've considered the seventh element. The seventh element is alternatives. So let's say you and I were kind of negotiating over something or making a decision and we came to the best option that we thought was fair and reasonable and right. Both of us shouldn't jump to saying yes until we considered our alternatives. Our alternative is what would we do as a walk away? If we didn't say yes to this, what would we do? Would we go ahead with the project? Would we engage with someone else? Would we, what would we do? Like if you're going to be buying a car, for instance, you know, you've got one dealer that you're dealing with and he puts the best option of the car, you would go and test that against other dealerships being your alternative. So what's your walkaway position? So you shouldn't say yes to anything unless it's better than your alternative. It meets your interest. It's a good option amongst many. And it's been a process of good communication and where your relationship has been built up. So that just gives you a run through of the seven elements and how you can kind of use them, gives a bit more kind of context behind them. But if you just consider the seven elements of relationship, communication, interests, options, legitimacy, what can you commit to? And also what are your different alternatives? If you just consider those seven elements, you will be making much more robust decisions in every area of your life and business, and also be better armed at and prepared for negotiating and collaborating with others. Yeah. No, thanks, Robin. That's a really valuable and a very practical framework, I should say. For this framework, what do you see as the most critical aspects or the ones you see people don't use effectively? Yeah, I think the key thing is about going back to interests. I constantly get people saying, Robin, it's not about the seven elements. There's only two choices. So let me give you this example um, that we, we give to people, which is um, you go into a room and two children, like maybe your two children are arguing over an orange and there's only one orange, what would you do? And you say, well, there's only one option really, which is to cut it in half. The other option is to take it off of them. And I go, great. So they've got zero value or 50% value. And I'm like, can you do any different? And they're like, no, that's it. There's only two choices there. But the thing is that if you use this model and go to interest and that's the thing that we forget to do we get drawn into being positional we need to come back to fundamental with like why do they want the orange in the first place if you ask that question in that situation one child will say that they want the rind for baking a cake the other child wants the flesh of the orange to eat if you ask that question why what's important to you about the orange then we can go into real value creation where that person gets 100% of what they want. And that's where the other person gets 100% of what they want. And this is what we're talking about in collaboration and better decision-making. Where are we throwing value in the bin? Where will we cut in the orange in half and taking 50% of the rind off and putting that in the bin and taking 50% of the, the orange and putting it in the bin? So the fundamental thing is get away from positions 
and focus on the interests, letting go of judgment and being open with the options. That for me is the, the critical space where you will dramatically increase the value of the decisions and the negotiations that you have with other parties. That's a really good example, an example we all can, I guess, relate to. But it's very easy mm-hmm. to think of how how that would apply in a business situation. And decisions that our contractors are making is often about choices. I think that's yeah. just, just a good uh, and, and choices with customers, also cho- choices with their suppliers and partners. So it's really a good example. Thanks for sharing that. Mm. We had the opportunity to implement this in many organizations. What sort of benefits have these organizations seen? Uh, that's an interesting one. There's an organization that I'm doing some work with just right now. In actual fact, since we've been working with them for the past uh, 49 months, that they've had a growth on growth and including through coronavirus. You know, it's transformational. I mean, one of the first times that I, I used this with a contractor in Australia was they had a claim for, I think it was about $100,000, um, relatively small project. And I said to them, look, we can go through the normal process or we can go through and we can just map out what are your interests, what's kind of going on for you, what are some of the options and the, everything else like that. And they said, sure. Because I said, you can come back to the traditional way if you want. We just workshopped it, let go of judgment, we workshopped it. What we actually found was that there was a, another major problem and an issue the contractor actually had, which was their um, obligation. But in actual fact, we came up with an option and it was basically around getting access to recycled water or um, non-potable water. But in actual fact, when we went through that, we came up with an option of looking at and we actually found a free, a relatively free, I think it cost about $200 regards to getting a, um, an application to access an old bore that we had responsibility for. And we actually came up with that. That actually took about $4 million off of them for a contractor who was trying to claim back money by putting hundred thousand dollar claims in they that that hundred thousand dollar claim just it wasn't legitimate and was pulled back but we actually found four million dollars of value for that contractor and it only took us two hours wow so these are some of the benefits if you get away from positions and like i said to them you can go back to being positional Let's just spend two hours mapping this out and seeing if we can come up with a better kind of way forward for us and just be open. And that's, that's the result that we got. So, you know, it's not every time that you will kind of find this, but I can't think of many times that I haven't gone right. Let's be harder on the problem because you're all switched on people who are very, very good at problem solving. If you just stop and spend a little bit more time on opening up with other people and getting them in and being hard on the problem, I can't think of a time that we haven't got an incrementally better outcome from doing that. Yeah, that's so good. And it, I guess it adds to the question I had earlier, where I was saying that I believe that it takes a little bit more than the process. And you mentioned it's the mindset. I think it's the mindset yeah. as well as the mm. process when put together uh, that delivers a better, better outcome in times of crisis. I guess there's a bigger need for both to be put together to get to the desired outcome. Absolutely, because that's the mindset of fear. And then I hold back in discussions. Therefore, like my mum used to say, don't ask, don't get. You've got to kind of not have that fear and open up and invite other people in. Yeah. Robin, you're a leadership coach for many senior executives in the construction sector. What would be your top three recommendations for habits leaders in the construction industry should implement in their lives to be able to ride the waves of present times? 
Yeah, really good question. And this is one that I often kind of work with people on and communicate. The first key thing is about managing expectations. You know, as individuals, um, we've got our work, we've got our businesses, we've got our partners, we might have kids, we might have family members, and particularly in coronavirus, um, there's even added more kind of complications. So the first thing is that we need to have more realistic expectations about what we can kind of achieve in the different areas of our life that are important to us. So the, the habit to really set up there is on a weekly basis is just to kind of accept the reality that you have and then kind of plan out what are the key kind of priorities to lower that expectation right from the get-go because that's the first habit because the second habit is this is that what you've got to do is there's only one common factor in every problem in your life and that is you there's only one common factor in every success in your life and that's you so what you've got to do is you've got to look after your own self you've got to look after your own energy and when i talk about this i'm talking about the all the different kinds of energies you've got your body energy you've got your mental energy you've got your emotional energy you've got your spiritual energy or your connection to purpose so we've got to look after ourselves and manage our energy in that way but if we're setting for instance if we're not doing number one which is uh, if we're setting ridiculous expectations then it doesn't matter how good we manage our energy we're always going to fall over because we're setting too high expectation so setting those expectations then managing your energies and the next thing is about being um right now the tip that i'm saying to people is have your eyes wide open and taking everything in and being flexible and adaptable is absolutely key so what the need to do then is to readjust your expectation readjust your kind of energy realizing what's important to kind of go back around because the beginning of the week you can set your expectations you can say that you're going to look after yourself but then stuff happens during the week so to be in you know eyes wide open being adaptable and, and flexible is probably my top three things for there for right now yeah i can see how how can how this can change change anyone so having more realistic expectations definitely we can't be too hard on ourselves <clears throat> i definitely <clears throat> agree with looking after yourself and i'm reminded of the uh, announcement they do in the, before the flights take off uh, we haven't done it for a while but it's to put a life, life mask on yourself first before you put it on someone else and i guess as leaders uh, we have a huge responsibility to make sure that we are stable uh, strong before we are able to help our teams because any incorrect decisions we make or any missteps we take would impact many more people and yeah having your eyes wide open but being flexible adaptable i think that's that's probably the only way we can navigate through what we are seeing now because there's no textbook there's no prescription no recipe for riding the current times so that's, no, uh, that's absolutely that's really uh, good advice uh, robin finally before we finish this podcast where can people get more information about inspire me consulting and is there additional support available for those who would like to learn more about this absolutely the website is a great place to go to it's inspire me consulting allonewood.com.au Um, and my email address is uh, robin at inspiremeconsulting.com.au. Um, if you uh, look at uh, my website, I've got a book there. I've also got a little Kickstarter um, series, little video series for people to them through these times as well. And yeah, just feel free to reach out. Always happy to have a chat with anyone about any issue or challenge and provide them just initial guidance or point them in the right direction. 
Thank you, Robin. I will include the details in the show notes. Do you have a final message for our audience? I think the first one is to look after yourselves, which is um, absolutely key. And, and look, thank you so much for running this initiative that you're doing with this podcast, because I think right now um, getting good quality information out to people to support them is absolutely key. So thank you for yourself to, for doing this for today and the other podcasts that you're doing for the industry. Thanks, Robin. And thank you also for joining us on this podcast. The seven elements of the Harvard negotiation, project theory on collaboration and negotiation, along with being hard on the problem and not on the person, are solid takeaways from this discussion. And to our contractor audience, your tough decisions may not be a matter of two choices after all. Robin, thank you again for joining us on this podcast. Your insights will help many of our contractors make even more significant contributions to Australia's infrastructure, grow their business, and be the competitive contractor. This podcast was recorded online. We apologize for the lower signal quality at times. The gems of wisdom are still worthwhile to share. Hence, we have proceeded to share this for everyone's benefit. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Competitive Contractor Podcast. If you want to grow your business and be more profitable, contact us through www.shivendra.com. Our commitment is to impact you and your business positively and be the competitive contractor.